Chapter 1. A Spy is Born I've successfully infiltrated the Illuminati's West Coast cell. I suspect they're onto me. I've been dreaming of an explosion. I see fire and smoke, and then I'm jumping out of a hundred-story building. I survive, landing squarely on my feet. I feel guilty, so I run and run and don't stop until I wake up safe in bed. The fire dream feels like a memory or an acid flashback, or as if someone drugged me and I was tripping out of my mind when I committed a mass murder. As far as I can figure out, I've mentally blocked the memory, and I'm slowly recovering it as I sleep. I have an increasingly paranoid feeling that I've been manipulated in ways far beyond my comprehension, all the way back to my secret birth. I was given away, my mind wiped clean, and reprogrammed. I've been trying to uncover who is responsible for deceiving me, who masterminded the terrorist acts, and who involved me. Much to my surprise, somehow I've located him. One of the eight leaders of the Illuminati is in San Diego. Tonight I will meet him. Or maybe I'm just plain delusional. Chapter 2. Adoption I always knew I was adopted. Even before I was old enough to understand completely, my parents gave me the ostensibly straightforward explanation. Your birth mother loved you enough to give you up, and now we love you. The act of telling made mom and dad proud, but also a little sad. They knew they were progressive for divulging the truth when many adoptive parents left their kids in the dark. But as much as they loved me, they had wanted their own children. They chose their words carefully, but I knew the subtext nonetheless. Your birth mother loved you enough to give you up. She could have taken the easy way out, and I wouldn't even be here. I should be grateful. But why did she give me up? I hadn't even misbehaved. And now we love you. It's definitely better to have someone love you, even if it is two strangers. I hadn't been wanted, but now I was wanted. The Dennises were my second chance, chosen especially for me. My new mommy and daddy were college-educated and owned a house. They even had dogs. I would have a better life, the opportunity to go to a good college. My child's mind deduced that the Dennises could also give me away. So, I decided to be the best child ever. The woman who adopted me was Marilyn Ruth Dennis. She grew up in a working-class Long Island suburb in the mid-1950s. Her father, James Scully, Pop-Pop as we knew him, was a rosy-cheeked Irishman, a postal worker with an eighth-grade education. Her mother, Edna, finished high school and was a fashion-forward telephone operator with a thick Long Island accent. After she and Pop-Pop retired, they traveled around Europe and rode horses, always Western style, never English, a distinction that seemed important somehow. Nana's bohemian, Indian-inspired outfits and double-pierced ears were incongruous with her stern German demeanor. My Nana was full of contradictions. She generally disliked small children, but agreed to babysit me because I was an obedient grandchild, happily accompanying her to Mass each weekday morning at half-past six and energetically helping with chores the rest of the day. After Pop-Pop died, she dutifully attended those daily church services for three years as some sort of penance for the soul of her husband, just in case he was in purgatory and needed a kind of spiritual boost into heaven. It felt like she wasn't so sure it would work as she recited prayers with near sarcasm in her thick Long Island drawl, but she persevered nonetheless. Perhaps she didn't want to risk feeling guilty for eternity if she didn't find Pop-Pop there when she arrived in heaven.